Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Back on FST, hour number three on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So that was actually packed hour. We had back-to-back guests with Mo Moten talking about the Raiders and Manish Mehta talking about uh, the Jets. Like I left you with that quote right before the break. He just doesn't know what he's doing. That's a current employee giving out quotes like that. Um So it doesn't instill a lot of confidence that the organization is moving in the right direction. I think Manish has it right. Um, He knows his team better than just about anybody from an outsider's perspective. And he understands that I don't think that move impacts the team that greatly this year. And the Jets have stockpiled a good amount of talent. Bell and Mosley and and more and Crowder and more in addition to the players that they drafted, some of whom think many people think that Quinn and Williams could be the best player in the entire draft. So they've had a good offseason. I did think they spent a little wildly, but sometimes to get the good players, you got to do that. And they had plenty of cap room, so why not just throw your weight around when you have the opportunity? Um, But I think we both would agree that they'd be pretty good this year. You know, if the Jets got to around 8-8 and and are sniffing out a playoff spot, that wouldn't stun me. I'd probably still take the under if you told me it was 8, but it's because the Jets, and there's a lot of there's too many new pieces for me to be sold right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the the product on the field when you look at it, okay. Well, what does Donald does Donald take that next step? Obviously, that's a big, a huge thing. If the quarterback can take that next step. Le'Veon Bell, I assume he's going to be there. I assume he's not going to be traded. So we know the running back situation is going to be good. The wide receivers, okay. I think they're a little short there. You know, I think they could use a, a big name there, uh, Anderson and Noonwood Crowder. If they're all healthy and playing well, it's a solid group, but I think you're asking a lot there. You know, Crowder's done yeah. nothing in a couple of years now. You know, uh, Anderson, I think, is a more of a number two than a number one. Quincy's a good number three. And then three. With neck surgery. Uh, right. So we'll see. We'll, we'll just see what happens there. Herndon, I think, is a solid tight end. As you, you and I discussed earlier on the show, tight end's a vast wasteland throughout the NFL. It's tough. You know, uh, fantasy-wise, he's a tight end, too. But there's some upside. He's a solid tight end. And I, I think Quentin Williams was the best player in the draft. I do. So I think they, uh, they did well there. I think the defense is solid somewhat. Avery Williamson, C.J. Mosley. I like the linebacking core. Maybe the back end. We'll see what happens there outside of Jamal Adams. I don't know if I trust anybody there, including Tremaine Johnson. So I think there's still work to be done. But I think, you know, I think if I was going to set a line here, it would probably be seven, seven and a half wins for the Jets I as did. far as an I over-under. I say seven and a half, yeah. I think they were right there. I think, that, I think it's about right. I mean, I don't think the division is death. I mean, we know New England's New England, but they're not the, the team they used to be. They're still the best team, but they're not the team they used to be. Miami sucks. 
And Buffalo seems to have a great defense. Team. And a, I think Miami has to be the worst team in football. Uh, yeah, that, that, yeah that's I do. Idea. That's what I meant. Yeah, I think they're the worst team in football. I think they're the worst roster on paper in football. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, who else can? Who else could you put in there? Do, 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 the Cardinals. Do, do, do. We just went over them. They're Cardinals are close. The Card- Cardinals bad, are pretty though. bad too, but they're not that bad. No, Cardinals might be the worst team in the NFC. I think the Lions are going in the wrong direction. The Giants. I, I think the Giants in Miami are really gonna. The Giants in Miami are. I, I can talk myself into just about any team, George, after the draft and free agency, and be like, "Hey, look at the moves they made." Um, I think the two teams that I can't do that with are the Dolphins and the Giants. But the Dolphins, I think, are trying to blow it all up. The Giants don't seem to. Oh, so do I. The Giants are another, another team. They don't. They don't seem to know what they're doing either. Again, what's making right. things up as he goes along. There is no integrity no, I mean, or honesty about the roster and what they're doing. It's the problem with the Giants. We can go for an hour on that. They're not. They're not doing. They're not moving in one direction. They're telling you one thing, signing a guy, then trading him. And they say, we're fine with Eli and we're drafting this guy. There's no integrity about what they're doing for the Giants. That's It's a totally separate topic, but I think that's fair to say. But you're right. So back to the Jets, seven and a half. That's about the line. It is. And that's, I don't, once again, I think there's – on the field, I think they're heading in the right direction. I do. It's off the field. I don't know if, if that – what's going on is going to implode the team anyway. Where it won't matter what they're doing here, uh, they're they're uh, boy. With that, I, you know, I'm trying not to just kill this organization, but it's hard not to see what's going on here. You know, with all the uh, the backroom fighting, how Gase gets all this control that they're doing nothing uh, throughout the, his career. It's just it's just strange. It's just strange. Manisha's article. When you read it, you're like, seriously? Like, how does that even happen? He moves his chair on draft night out of view of the camera so that he wouldn't be it wouldn't be documented that he had anything to do with the draft night and he was sitting next to the CEO and he moved the chair out of camera view so that McCagnan was just on camera with Chris Johnson and they went from there like it, it's just stunning that that's how he went about it there there is a, a lack of professionalism about the way he went about it, and people are going to consider him to be a backstabber. Now, that does it. Does this hurt? Does that hurt him in the organization? And does that hurt him with players? I don't know. The thing with Le'Veon Bell, it's a bad. It's certainly bad optics. There's another article on Pro Football Talk today that says they've been in constant discussion. Manish laid it all out. He's like, "Here's what happened. He didn't want him. He doesn't. He did not want him." He certainly didn't want him to pay a lot of money, but he didn't want him uh, for the needs of the team. Now, that relationship can coexist. It doesn't have to be great. It just can't blow up like what happened in Pittsburgh with A.B. and everything there, right? It just has to be on a professional level. I mean, listen, a lot of it's just PR, right? The uh, coach didn't want him, got stuck with him anyway, because now he loves him. It's just the way the game is played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and once again, I think this is also dysfunctional, by the way. You have to know the coach's system. And if he doesn't believe in having a bell cow running back, I don't say, I actually didn't mean to say, I didn't mean to say bell cow just came out. But if you didn't, didn't, didn't still need, applies. If you didn't need to say that, but if you didn't need, if, if you don't want that, then the GM or the, the, can't sign that player. It doesn't make any sense. You're forcing, totally in some great. ways, a, you know, a round peg into a square hole. 
you know, because he, he doesn't want to use them that way. He doesn't believe in that. And listen, and he's not the only one. You know, there are a lot of organizations who don't believe in paying the big running back. That you better not spending your resources on another position. And I actually, I sort of agree with that as well. It you know, true. we've seen this over and over again, mainly because running back short shelf life. You don't want to pay them 14, 16, 18 million dollars a year. Hell, did we learn anything from Todd Gurley? And he got paid. Now we don't know what's going to become of him. Yeah. With this knee injury year. So it's just uh, it's going to be curious. You look at the Cowboys. They seem to want to pay everybody else first before they get to Ezekiel Elliott. You know, they paid uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. They're going to pay Dak Prescott. Whether or not we want to talk about how that's right or wrong, that's a different topic here. But you can see how organizations think. They think about paying the other positions first. They'll pay Amari Cooper before they pay Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, it's just so I, I, I'm, I'm on board with that there, but the play was forced upon him, which in my, in my mind, that's automatically dysfunctional. When you're forcing a player upon a new head coach that if the player doesn't fit his system, it doesn't make sense to me. And the article details how McCagna doesn't want Gase involved. He wouldn't let him to communicate directly with scouts. And it was a Mike McCagna production, as Manish said, all the way through free agency and into the draft. Did he do a bad job? I don't think so. But signing a guy that the coach doesn't want, specifically because it's system related, is the height of dysfunction. It's just telling you, well, I know better, and I know it's better for this team, and you don't. It's like, well, I'm coaching the team, and I don't really want that guy. Well, I'm signing him anyway because the owner wants him. McCagnan, really, in that instance, McCagnan needs to go to bat for the coach and say to Chris Johnson, look, it's a bad fit. We'll pick up a back somewhere else. It's a bad fit for us. We can't spend that money. It's a waste. Let's go get somebody else. Let's pay Anthony Barr a little extra money so that he comes here, right? They lost out on Anthony Barr. Use some of that Le'Veon Bell money to overpay Anthony Barr if you want him so much, right? Like, that's the kind of thing that you really should be doing if you're all on the same page, right or wrong. Oh, I agree with you. And listen, I'll assume McCagna did that, that he tried to talk Johnson out of Bell. I'll I'll assume it because it makes no sense for him not to. But if if the owner says sign him, you got no choice. So I'll give McCagney right. a pass on that. But I have to assume that he went to the owner and said, listen, it doesn't make any sense. Gase doesn't want me. He doesn't fit the system here. Why spend $14 million? Let's put that money towards somebody else, even though we have a gazillion dollars in cap room. But if the owner says, I don't care. I want him. Uh, I mean, that, that's a different problem. And there's nothing McCagney can do then. And I assume that's what happened there. I have to assume that. Because if not, then you're not doing your job. You're just not doing Then you deserve to go. Yeah. Right, you, have, you have to tell the owner. And this is what I mean by owners own. They should stay out of these things. I mean, hey, for the longest time, man, I'm, I'm a Cowboy, Yankee, and Islander fan. So I grew up on the Steinbrenner. He had the same problem. He couldn't stay out of things. That's why the Yankees sucked for a while. There's no – people don't notice. The reason the Yankees got good is when Steinbrenner got suspended in the early 90s. That's and then right. Gene Michael took over, and Michael made the right moves. You know, and that's when the Yankees got, took off again. And then George laid off a little bit. I'm an Islander fan. We know what a joke those own, that ownership has been over the past couple of decades. And I'm a Cowboy yeah. fan dealing with Jerry Jones. Right? Yeah. And the only, the only time over the past – 20, 25 years, ever since the the Aikman years, the only time the Cowboys were good was when Jones hired, a, you know, we hired Bill Parcells. Parcells took over. He put the organization in check when he stayed out of it. Now he's not, you know, he's letting his son Steven take over. Steven is better than Jerry. He's not perfect, but he's better than Jerry. The team has gotten better again. 
Yeah. You know, it's uh, when the owners have to stand in the football business now for almost 30 years, learning on the job. So even if he couldn't handle the responsibility early, I think Stephen Jones has at least, if you want to give him credit for one thing, he has stayed dedicated to being in the football business and learning about it. Now he's got 30 years of experience. The problem is these billionaire owners think because they were successful in whatever business got them there that they can be a football guy too. Yeah. You know, that, oh, hey, I was successful in uh, whatever, you know, Jerry Jones was with oil and all this other crap. That I'll just be a successful uh, football guy too. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work sure. that way. That's why, you know, owners own GMs, GM, coaches, coaches. It's a, that's generally the way it should be. I've never so been a big the, fan of when you hear go when you hear GM say, uh, listen, I signed the players, you make it work. No, it shouldn't be that way. You have to have some kind of communication with your coach to get him the kind of players that he needs that's going to fit his system. And the Jets went, in my mind, directly against that. It just didn't win. And now that's not Gase's fault. Gase has a system he has to follow. Go by it. And uh, I, 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 that's why I truly have to believe McCagney did go to Johnson and say, hey, Gase doesn't want Bell. He doesn't fit the system. I agree with him. I love Bell, but it's not, it's not going to work here. Let's find somebody who Gase wants. Well, and the owner says, no, screw it. I'm going to sign him too. You know, it's, but if the owner says, uh, that, then it doesn't I, – no. I, I want this player. I want him signing him. Do the old George Stein with me. I want to make then the big splash. Yeah, yeah, you have, have no to choice, but, man, you're going to have so many problems later on. You're never, you're never yeah, going to get and- players who actually fit your system. That's right. And and by the way, we have staffers and people all around the media and the football world saying this this CEO doesn't really know what he's doing. So what did he rely on in order to assume that they needed Le'Veon Bell? Twitter? Like, screw that. That's not that's not any way to make a decision. There's other people that you've hired to make those decisions. You don't just do that. Like, there's there's nothing. I think it's, if I think it's PR. in the buildings. Splash right, signing. It's just, it's just dumb. It's dumb. And, I, and maybe Le'Veon Bell will work out. I, I think it's a pretty good landing spot, but the fact that Gates doesn't really want him, it, it makes it a, a tough situation already. Anyway, here's the Jets' schedule. They host the Bills and Browns to open the season. You want to go game by game? You can let me know where, where do you think. Do they beat the Bills to open the season at home? Well, let's, let's say one and one there. Let's say they'll beat one okay. of them. Uh, that's fair. Uh, at New England. No. Bye week, early bye week for them. Yeah, so one and two right now. Bye week, early bye week for the Jets. I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, at Philly, coming out of the bye, it's a tough one. You like to have the extra break, uh, two weeks to prepare here, but you're at Philadelphia. I'm gonna go loss. They host da- Dallas and New England. They get New England out of the way before middle of October. Week so f- at right. no, they host Dallas, New England in weeks six and seven. Uh, one and one. Boy, one and one. Let's give them one and one again. Okay. Okay. So they're two and three now. No, what do I have them at? Uh, they were one and two. They were one and three. Now they're two and four. Yikes. At Jacksonville, at Miami. Well, this is where they need to make hay, right? This part of the schedule yes. right here is where they need That's to right. make hay. Because it's Jacksonville, Miami, Giants, Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati, Miami again. Yeah, that's I mean, not tough. They, they, need, they need to go on a run here. No, they need to go on a run. This has to be, well, how many games? One, two, three. This is six, f- seven games. Five and two. If you want to make anything out of this season, this has to be probably five and two because we're giving you wins. You know, the Dallas, I'm not so sure you win either one of those. You know, I do think you beat Buffalo. I, I think you lose to Cleveland. But uh, this better be five and two if you want to make anything out of your season. So you give them five and two. That still only makes them seven and six. 
and then they're at Baltimore hosting the Steelers at Buffalo. <laughs> well, there, there's your seven and a half over over under, right? Baltimore at yeah. Baltimore, I'm probably giving you a loss. So we're saying seven and seven. That's it. And you, we're giving you five and two. I actually think it's probably four and three. Uh, Pittsburgh is, is a loss at Buffalo. Is that game important to Buffalo? I think if it's important to Buffalo, it's a loss. It's got to be. At Buffalo, December. It has to be. Yes. Buffalo's got not be. a challenge for a playoff spot. Teams. They might suck, but Buffalo's got a challenge for a playoff spot. They, how many times are they going to turn their roster over? They, they're, they're like, Buffalo, they built no it offense, the same way man. as the Jets. I know. I'm worried. You know what? The, what worries that's, me about the Bills is they went, out and signed, they went out and signed nine guys, and their receiving core is still Zay Jones... Cole Beasley and John Brown. <laughs> That's it. That's the receiving core, and they spent a lot of money I agree. to do it. I was just hey, they they tried to get uh they tried to get Antonio Brown right. Brown turned them down. Yeah. So they did try. Yeah. You know, you know, I'll give I'll give him all props for that. But uh, maybe you will try a little harder and get somebody there. But patient trophy, George. <laughs> well, that's all the rage nowadays, it. right? Yeah, they uh, didn't do it. The thing is, I'll say it again. It's a quarterback-driven league. You have a quarterback in Josh Allen who I think is good, but you didn't surround him with the weapons. How is he going to take the next step? I you, totally you, agree. You just mentioned that receiving core. Cole Beasley is nothing special, regardless of what he might think he is. Uh, John Brown, okay, nice deep threat, but that's a complimentary person. Zay Jones, who the hell knows? He's not running around naked in any hotels. We'll see what he can do. But he's, not, once again, nothing special here. I'm not so sure this is number two on the roster, more or less the number one. And you're you're just hindering what your quarterback's going to be. So that's and the, the problem. tight end is Tyler Croft, and they drafted Dawson Knox. Once again, where enough. are the weapons? Where are the weapons? That's not good enough. I think the defense could actually be really good. So do I. But the I, I think that's tough. We spent a lot of time talking about the Jets, and, and we just went through it, man. We think that the best case scenario is they win eight games. That's everything. Goes I would well. agree. I would agree. So you'd have to take the under. So we'll come back. We'll keep talking Jets, and we'll do Raiders after this as well. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on FST, hour number three. We continue up to 11 o'clock where George is going to stay with you and be joined by Cam Stewart. Find him on Twitter at Cam Stewart Live. I'm sure you guys will be talking some hockey, right? Talking a little bit of talk a little golf, a little baseball, a little football. You guys are going around the, around the horn on a lot of different sports. Yeah, I'm sure we talk about everything. Uh, really everything. Uh, <laughs> I have no doubt about that at all. Uh, baseball will be big on the, uh, the docket. Hockey, of course, there's only only one series going on now, and there's no hockey today, uh, which is always disappointing as uh, 
as the playoffs go on. Basically, it's the same thing. One series, one, uh, one series over, so we only got one uh, game every other day here. Boo-hoo. Before we get to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then no hockey at all. What's the Eastern Conference? Where are we at with that right now? Boston won, so Boston uh, will uh, host whoever oh, right. uh, comes out of the West. It was San Jose or St. Louis. They're just playing better than everybody right now, Boston. They're just curb-stomping teams. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to put down anybody, but, uh, you know, I think we knew Boston was going to go on here. Carolina, uh, we saw the second round. Islanders ran out of magic. The Islanders weren't a great team by any means. They, some would argue not even a good team. All right, they were a solid team that everything went their way against Pittsburgh, and then all the magic ran out against Carolina. I think the same thing happened when Carolina played Boston. Carolina is, once again, not a great team. Good team, arguably, but all the magic ran out against a good team in Boston. I don't think Boston's great either. They're very good, and in listen, in the NHL, in hockey, if your goalie's playing well, you're a lock. And right now, Rask is unbeatable. He's feeling it. Now, how listen, the uh, Stanley Cup Finals is not going to start the Memorial Day. Memorial Day night. That's when game one is. Really? <laughs> you can do the math there. That's nine, yeah. Once again, the other series is still going on. They've got minimum two days means minimum four more days. Dude, what the hell? So even if the Bruins stopped playing two days ago and it's nine days from now, that's an eleven day break. That's really that's an eleven day break. Uh, the Islanders had the same break, and you saw what it did to them. They didn't. They weren't the same team in the round two. Columbus Blue Jackets. You know they had the break. They didn't play very well against Boston. The breaks have been unkind to teams right now because you, you, you just lose that edge. I do wonder if that affects Boston in the finals that they're going to have an 11-day break. Actually, more than 11-day break. When was the last time they played? Yeah, okay. It'll be an incredibly long time. I think it will be 11 days, actually. The NHL, yeah. listen, the NHL doesn't care about its teams. They care all about TV. You know, so it's whatever whatever time, whatever day and time TV dictated. If TV said, hey, that's not how the Stanley Cup finals until uh, July 4th, the NHL would wait till July 4th. Yeah. Right? That's just I, the I way it is. They, they bow yeah. down to TV. I can't really I can't really blame the NHL for for doing that, but it's it's an unusually long break. I, I guess it just worked out like that because this thing may very well go seven, so you can't really schedule them before that, and then that team needs a couple of breaks, travel day, whatever. So um, I did ask a question to Mo Moten because I did not squeeze it in uh, during our interview. Uh, probably bad timing by me but i asked him uh after the break do i do you think Carr is the starting qb when they move to vegas so here's what he said he said i honestly think that depends on how he performs this year they have two first round picks in 2020 their pick and the bears pick from cleo mack deal with tua from alabama tunga vialova tunga vialova that's it yeah uh jake Fromm. And Justin Herbert all potentially coming out of school. It'll be tempting to take one of them if Carr doesn't play at a high level. Now, Gruden isn't very patient with younger QBs or underperforming QBs in general. Constant turnover at the position in Tampa Bay after that Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. His contract also allows the Raiders to cut him with only $5 million in dead money left over so they can save a lot of money, too, which is part of the reason why I thought this was leaning towards them moving on from Carr. They can really move on from him after this year without any kind of penalty. I think the teams that could be looking at quarterbacks next year are the Raiders. It is Cincinnati. It is Miami. Unfortunately, Josh Rosen, I think, is going to be in the exact same position 12 months from now where he will have had a QB drafted over him. I think that's what's going to happen <laughs> in Miami. I really do. I, I agree. They're going to be terrible I, I this agree. year. What's he going to do? And they, they don't have great weapons either. 
You know, it's not like he's playing with a whole bunch of great weapons there where he can really show what he can do. Yeah, I think uh, he's going to be the same exact not situation. Not is a huge compliment. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be a different George. You are trying to be nice. Stills is All good. Right, Devontae uh, Parker hasn't done anything. Bryce Butler is their third wideout. Tight end is Mike Kosicki. He's He was a rookie last year. I can't judge him yet. But uh, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj, Miles Gaskin, pretty good. But what, where is the offensive line at? They, they they upped Laramie Tunsil for his 50-year option. Great. Uh, and the rest of the offensive line might not be any good. The defense has some good building blocks, but Xavier Howard, Chris Wilkins now, and obviously Minka Fitzpatrick. But top to bottom, they're just not good. It was miraculous that they won seven games this past year, but it was, a lot of it was related to the easy schedule that they had. So I'm just saying I think Josh Rosen's going to be in the same position a year from now. Sucks for him because he hasn't done anything wrong necessarily. No, he hasn't. I mean, he's been on the bad team in Arizona. They hire a new coach that wants to go with uh, Kyle Murray. And I think the same thing's going to happen next season. They'll Miami will have a top two, top three pick at worst, and they'll be in the uh, the mix for Tay. And maybe they go that direction. Maybe there's another quarterback. Uh, next year is supposed to be a much stronger quarterback draft in the uh, NFL. So I think they will be taking one. And the same thing about Oakland, which started this. I, I agree with you there, too. And once again, if Carr doesn't play great, you know, I think he has to play great. I, I don't even think he can play. He can't be average. I don't think he'd be slightly above average. He has to be good to great to keep that job, or else they're going to be forced to take a quarterback as well. Yeah, you know, this is where the, the NFL is. You know, Gruden will say all the right things about Carr. Yes, I love him. Yes, he's a quarterback of the future. Blah, blah, blah. That's, that's all lies. All right. Uh, Gruden knows that as well as anybody. If the quarterback's working out, then yes, I meant what I said. If it's not, hey, I'm just trying to build up his confidence, trying to get him to play better, and i got to move on to get the guy I do like or the guy I believe who can uh, take me to the next level. It's just the way it is in the NFL. Yeah. It is true that he does not like working with the younger QBs. So maybe he and Mayock – put something together to get a veteran. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think the, the Nick Foles being on the free agency market, that is a rarity. You're not really going to be able to work out that deal. You don't want to sign guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, holdover guys. Like, that's no way to win a Super Bowl. And the NFL is different now than it was when Gruden coached 15 years ago. It just is. The cheap quarterback is the asset. The biggest asset in the whole league is the cheap quarterback. And you build around them and you try to win quick, like Philly did, what happened with the Foles. Wentz thing was an, it was a unique cir- circumstance. And then what happened with um, the Rams is really the way teams are trying to do it. Let's build around the young guys as fast as possible, go all in while Goff is still on a rookie deal and try to win now. And by all accounts, they had a wildly successful season last year. They didn't win the Super Bowl, but that's not a failed season. That's a successful season. I agree. I want to you, you get no argument from me there. People think you know it's either win or bust. Maybe for New England, yeah. Maybe for the Yankees, yeah. you know. For most teams, uh, you know, some teams say, "Hey, just getting the five hundred is a winning season." You think about the Cleveland Browns. I mean. Wouldn't a 500 season be a winning season for them this year? Anything else is uh, you're you're on the right track here. Now we expect more from Cleveland, and I think they're going to win the division. But uh, you know, uh, uh, just to get to 500 would be good. Then you go on from there. You know, it's get, get above 500. Go. It's it is a good division. division. Although I, I I have my doubts about Baltimore and Pittsburgh's a mess. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. I think they're uh, a mess, but I actually think there could be a little bit of a, a bump, like a sub, uh, addition by subtraction scenario here. Because the roster, top to bottom, is good. It isn't as good, 
with the star power that they had, but it's clear that one of the star players was creating a massive distraction. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, Brown and Brown and Bell both are distractions. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They're both pretty much I me my uh, I me players, and Ben is still there, and he's an I me guy. Yeah, you know, he, I think he's the biggest I me guy. I think they, actually, I think the biggest problem there was Ben, and he, he's the quarterback, so he's he, so he's still there. And once again, it's football, it's the way it is. You know, your quarterback yeah. gets away with everything, as, as the GM just said. Right during the oh, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. That's great. Uh, way to play into that. Uh, yeah, yeah way, way to steer into that curve. Uh, so what the, well, I think with the Steelers, it just comes down to you can't tell me losing Brown and Bell. I understand they survived without Bell last year, but you can't tell me that doesn't affect the team. I think it'll be the same team on. Uh, now it, yeah. I, I love Smith Schuster, but now you're facing the number one cornerback. You're going to face double coverage, safety over the top, defense is game playing to stop you. Yeah. Let's see how that, how I that think works he's out good I think he's good enough. I do. We'll I don't see. think he's Antonio Brown at that level, who has had the most amazing five-year run in NFL history. But I think Juju's good enough to handle it. That's all I'll say. Um, okay. But back to the Raiders, just to wrap up that discussion. That's why I thought that they were moving on. Like, I, I'm trying to think, is there any other teams that jump out to you? Uh, you and I, I, I've tracked these, I, I track this quarterback stuff all the time. I'm trying to see if I have, I don't have it pulled up right now. So maybe you and I, next time we're on air, we'll do the, you know, how I go through the quarterbacks and we figure out who's going to, needs a new quarterback, who's going to stick with theirs. You know, I think the Raiders are a little bit down the list, but still high on the list. Um, and I think Cincinnati and Miami are, are going to be really the two primary teams looking for a QB uh, next year. Is that fair? Well, I was surprised. I was surprised Cincinnati passed up at a quarterback at eleven. Right? I mean, they were seem to be in a yeah. good spot. Quarterbacks were dropping. Only Jones uh, and Murray were gone. I was surprised they passed up uh, one at eleven. They could have gone with Haskins. Uh, could have been the right. Could have gone. In the yeah, and once again, if you didn't believe in Haskins, then I have no problem with this, okay? If you, because I think you do have to believe here, but you were in a spot, in a good spot to take one, and you didn't. So that yeah. always concerns you. Once again, but maybe they know they're going to suck them next. As I say it again, next year's a good quarterback draft, much better than this year, or, or shall they say? So maybe that's their thinking as well, and that doesn't bother me at all if that's where you're going for it. But uh, I, once again, when you don't have a quarterback, and Cincinnati doesn't, you have a very average one in Andy Dalton, passing up on one in Haskins. Dangerous, dangerous, especially if you had any kind of where well, you did believe in him. As I said, if you if you crossed him over, you know, I don't want Haskins. I don't believe in him. He's not going to be my kind of guy. I want a mobile quarterback, something like that. Whatever it might be, then I'm okay with that, Mike. I'm okay. You got to follow yes. what your beliefs here. But yes. if you liked Haskins in any way, and you passed up on him, then I think it's a huge mistake because you don't have one in uh, in Dalton. You just don't. Dalton is showing you exactly what he is. I've read some. I read an article a couple of weeks ago that was like tried extolling the virtues of Andy Dalton in the Zach Taylor offense. Like you could get a bump out of Cincinnati out of him this year, but it's, it was also more related to the defense was terrible. And um, if Dalton played a full season and the defense was bad again, he would just have opportunities to try to keep coming from behind and throwing and scoring and the like. I, I just think this team is really built this year around Joe Mixon and trying to keep other teams off the field. They've improved the offensive line, which was a complete disaster two years ago. They spent a couple of years building it up, so it'll be better. Um, but I think those are the top two teams in Cincinnati and Miami that will be looking for QBs. Cincinnati's not necessarily going to crater and win three games. Miami will. But the Bengals, I could see them scraping out six wins again and, and 
they're you know picking eighth to twelfth or something you know whatever, sort of like they did this past year. Uh, X factor teams for QBs next year are the Titans and the Bucks for obvious reasons. Titans, Bucks. You said Oakland. You know, which they certainly could be in yeah. the mix here if things aren't working out. Yep. Um, I'm going down a list as well here to see any other teams there. Uh, Titans, ugh, I mean, I, I, I think Mariota is what he is. I think they, they are looking for somebody here uh, as far as that's concerned. And I think that's really it, right? Because I'm looking here. Nobody else truly fits. Although, I, you know, listen, I have my doubts about Nick Foles in Jacksonville. You know, I have a lot of doubts about Nick Foles in Jacksonville. But they can't get out I don't of think that's going to work out. No. But I, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near what they think he's going to. Um, I I understand the path to that. I probably have a little bit more faith than you do, but I, I'm not completely sold. I think it made sense for them, and because they're still co- sort of bit built win now. <laughs> Unfortunately, their star linebacker decided to take the year off, which there appears to be almost no information on exactly why. But that was a tough blow for them uh, to lose Telvin Smith for the entire year. So that's it. Really good football discussion today. We know it's we're sort of in the heart of uh, baseball season, but big stories. Um, and we wanted to provide you some sort of fantasy advice, NFL news and notes and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, anything else to wrap up there on any of those stories that we mentioned today? George? You know, football never football never goes away. I mean, it, it truly is the uh, the never ending sport. Uh, I know it'll slow down a little bit in a couple of weeks after all the uh, mandatory mini camps are over. Then football does I know sort do. of I know. go on hiatus. Yeah, I know how to wrap this up. And that's for, what for we did our dynasty draft. And that we did our dynasty draft. So I'm going to look at the, your picks. This is a to to set it up for everybody. After we talked about it before, 45 man roster, five man. Taxi squad, rookies only. So the only drafting we do every year is just backfilling the roster or really filling up the roster with hopefully an impactful rookie. The problem is George and I have generally good teams here, so we never pick early and we never really get a chance to go after the big-name running backs. Um, So, George, and it is an IDP league as well, which is why the rosters are so big. So, George, you had one, two, three, four, five, six. You had had an extra third-round pick this year somehow. So, Devin White, linebacker from Tampa. That's a home run right there at the 10th pick. Then you got Rock Armstead uh, out of Temple. He goes to Jacksonville. He'll be backing up Leonard Fournette. I like that. I could see a path to him seeing some carries, not just this year, but after that. Jay Sternberger, the heir apparent to Jimmy Graham at tight end in Green Bay, like that. Then you got Jonathan Abram, impact safety for Oakland. Rodney Anderson, I, I see that. I got the other guy, Travion Williams, uh, backing up Joe Mixon. Then you got Travis Horner. And Kahale Waring in, uh, at tight end in Houston, like a year from now, I think Waring could be something. He only started playing football his senior year of high school Best days could be ahead for him, but I like that in a in a six-round draft to get him that late. In fact, he was on my board really late, too. I'll run through who I got, and my draft changed right before it, and I'm glad I found out before and not after that Doug Baldwin was retiring because I picked Paris Campbell, and then I picked Andy Isabella, and then I got Travion Williams, Josh Oliver at tight end, Bobby Okariki at linebacker, 
Jeffrey Simmons. He'll be on the shelf for an entire year with an ACL. I'd throw him on the taxi squad. And then Christian Wilkins, who's like my favorite player in the draft, so I felt like I had to do it. Uh, those are the guys I went with. You have about 30 seconds to talk about it. Why did you approach your draft in the way that you did? Well, it's an IDP league, and I think people who uh, in this league forget that IDPs are so important. We start more defensive plays than we do offensive plays in yep. this league. 11, 11 to 8. 9. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there was 11-0. We got rid of kickers? Yeah. Damn, I had Gus It used Gus, to be 11 to 9. Right, I forgot they, no, it's 11 to 8. Forgot they vote, voted that out. So uh, I had the 10th pick. So they're, all the good offensive players are gone. Would have loved a running back. There wasn't one there. So it's easy to take the linebacker, a top player in this league. Linebackers are the equivalent of probably a strong running back, too. Agreed. Agreed. I had to go wide out, wide out because Michael Crabtree and Doug Baldwin are out of the league. So I need impactful wide receivers as rookies. May not happen. We'll talk baseball after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Soundgarden here. I don't know if Sean knows how much I love this band, but good stuff. Uh, so we're closing it out here. Final segment before George takes over with Cam Stewart. We should probably just talk some baseball, right? That's uh, sort of where we're uh, where we're headed today. Uh, taking a look at pitching matchups. I know we spent a lot of time on football today, but as George said, it's you know it's year round, so. We, we like talking about uh, football, and I, we think it's useful for you as fans to figure out what happened, especially in a week where the Jets did what they did. We might have just talked to Mo Moten uh, this week uh, to talk about the Raiders and all the moves that they made, but the Jets made it incumbent upon us to have to get them back into the discussion. At least we're talking about them, George. It's better than indifference. Oh, was it the uh, NEPR is good PR thing? That sort of thing there? Yeah, pretty uh, much. Uh, sure, in some ways, I'm done, but everything that's coming out here, this is this is a cluster. This, this is bad. Yeah. You know, I bad. mean, uh, dysfunctional is uh, putting it nicely here. Like I said, it's, this would be different if it was, uh, you know, a Bill Parcells type of head coach. You know, a guy who ha- has, you know, has credibility, has ammunition. What, how does, uh, so, like I said, someone's uh, put, it on, put it on Twitter. I, I wish I remembered who. Uh how does Gase keep failing up? And I think that's a, I think that's accurate. How does he keep failing up? Uh, that's clear. That, that clearly be it appears to be a strategy of his. You know who's who did that well in the NFL? Legarrette Blunt. <laughs> some kid, truth in that too. Kicked off the Steelers in the middle of the season. Pats just took him back and won a Super Bowl. Contributed. <laughs> it was really the other guy. I have to credit Dan Lebetard. With that, I think he's, he said, this is a few years ago, obviously, he's like, uh, 
fail, failing your way to success, the LeGarrette Blunt story is if you were to write a story of like LeGarrette Blunt's 2016 season or whatever it was, um, he did that. So, all right, let's talk some baseball here. Uh, just get into who's throwing today. Blake Snell against Tanaka, pretty good pitching matchup. Numbers don't look spectacular from either guy, and Snell has struggled certainly more than he did a year ago, but a pretty uh, good high-profile pitching matchup today for the Rays and Yankees, who are separated by a half game in the AL East. Yeah, that's a uh, game starting in a couple of hours here. Uh, Snell pitched very well against the Yankees last week, but it couldn't last very long. I think he had 12 strikeouts, but only in five-plus innings. Threw a lot of pitches there. Needs to go a little deeper into these uh, into this game, especially after what happened to the Rays yesterday, where they were winning pretty handily, and then all of a sudden Alvarado gave it up in the ninth inning. Granted, it was after a rain delay, but I don't see how that could have affected Alvarado as he wasn't pitching before the rain delay, so it really shouldn't have bothered him at all. But uh, it's kind of a bit... Listen, it's May. There are no big games, but... The Yankees now have won three of uh, a three or four from the Rays in the past week plus. I'm sure the Rays would like to win this game. Plus, they have their ace on the mound. You know, they want Snell to make a, uh, a presence against the Yankees today. Uh, it's somewhat of a big game for the Rays, and the Yankees have also taken over first place now. Yeah. Do you are you concerned at all? Are you calm about Snell? long term for this season it's going to be hard to duplicate what he did last year but as a fantasy asset you like snell the rest of the way here he started off strong and then had that that weird accident in the bathroom right he yeah. according to the report listen we never know how true these things are but he dropped a piece of bathroom furniture or whatever on his foot right and broke a toe uh now you have you can have a hard time convincing me that toe is completely healed so quickly. So I think that's part of it where it's still a little uncomfortable. So I think he gets better as the toe gets better. Uh, if you're asking me, would I trade him if I have Snell? No. Would I look to acquire him? Sure. If someone wants to trade Snell to me for 80 cents on a dollar, I'm, I'm buying. I may not be buying at 100, uh, you know, even money. You know, I, maybe not because I may have some doubts there. But if someone wants to sell him to me any cheaper, I'll take him. Uh, okay. Uh, you and I never talked about the contract that he signed. What a what a mistake. What a mistake he made. He gave up free agency until he was 30 for $50 million, and he'd just come off with Cy Young. I still don't understand it. I still don't Well, I think it comes it. down to this. Uh, I would, If I'm a position player, I am not signing that contract because, once again, I got to assume I'm going to be able to hit. I'm going to make more money. If I'm a pitcher, I'm signing a damn contract. I'm going to get as much money as I can up front. Hey, he's never going to spend that money. He's fine. You know, granted, it's not as much money as he could have made. But we've all seen you could blow your arm out at any time when your career's done. Ask Matt Harvey. Yeah. All right? This Matt true. Harvey was guy. Mark Pryor. Mark Pryor. I mean, we can carry wood. We can go on and on and on with pitchers who we thought were going to be the next, you know, Roger Clemens, the next great thing. And they, they blew out their arms and they were never the same. Never the problem the I have same. with Snell is that th- th- we know now that there's no market for pitchers that are 30 years old. Right? It's dried up. It's if you're old. It's tough. If you're 31, I would say older, there's no market, but you you got to be damn good. Damn good. And Dallas Keuchel's damn good, and I know he's maybe nah, a dinosaur not, with the Keuchel's way guys want it. Keuchel's not wanna, damn good. He won a Cy Young Award. Keuchel's that yay, good for you him. You hate Dallas Keuchel's Keuchel. nowhere near any. He's an, a guy who throws 88 miles an hour. He's not in this class. 
He's not. I, I get it. And there's that, a reason he's still like out there. That. Nobody wants Keuchel. Justin Verlander well, is 38. He's signed though. He's signed easy. A week. Yeah. No, uh, Keuchel and Kimball are not signed until after the June 3rd amateur draft. That June I can guarantee. June 3rd. That's what, I, that's what I mean. Yeah. So that they don't have yeah, to. There's, there's no, exactly. If anybody who's unaware, after that, then there's no draft pick compensation. If teams are waiting this long, they're certainly going to wait two and a half more weeks. <laughs> so they're not signing then. That's what's, uh, yeah, that's the definitely. delay now. Yeah, that's the delay now for both those guys. So And that needs to be fixed uh, in the new CBA. Right. Um Okay. Uh, other guys on the mound today, you're looking at Walker Bueller, who's carrying a 4.15 ERA, but he's 4-0. Aaron Nola carrying a 4.86 ERA, who's 3-0. It's Steven Matz, 3.2. He's the lowest ERA of the bunch, 3-2, 3.86. Uh, maybe thoughts on on those pitchers, rapid fire. Um, I'm not worried about Aaron Nola. The ERA's higher than you want it to be. I'm not worried about him. Give me your thoughts on Bueller and Matz, though. And Nola, if you feel differently. Well, once again, when it comes to Bueller, you know, the lies, damn lies, statistics. Uh, Bueller had a couple of rough starts, but over that, it's very well. You're fine with Bueller. Don't worry about the ERA. That's When you look at stats, I only care about, really, his last couple of starts, two, three starts. I don't I care about what you. he did in, uh, in March and April. It doesn't mean anything. You know, the that's total ERA, especially at this point in the year, it doesn't really mean much. You're just really looking at how many quality starts you're getting out of these guys more than anything else. You know, guys get up to slow starts all the time. It's still only May 18th. That's why I don't panic about a lot of these things. They'll be fine. Just relax and uh, see how it goes. So I'm fine with Bueller. Uh, Aaron Noah, I probably have some concerns about. I mean, he's, he's been nowhere near close to the pitcher he was last year. Nowhere near close. So you have to be concerned there. Nola, Scherzer, a Kluber. I mean, took a three of the top four pitchers taken. Boom. Terrible this so far this year. Uh, so I, there's some concerns there. Uh, Matt's coming back off the, uh, the injury. He's actually – you can make a pretty good argument, Mike, that Matt has been the Mets' most consistent starter from day one other than, other than the injury here, the elbow uh, what irritation we're calling this. So uh, I have hope for Matt somewhat. It's against Miami. All right, so you're starting him today. If you can't start him against Miami, you can't start the guy. That's why I feel bad for anybody with the Garama. I think it was – somebody, somebody in the industry – I'm very bad at remembering names. But someone had a choice last night of starting Jacob DeGrom or I, – I, God, I can't even remember who else. But uh, it was no, a, a good pitcher, but not DeGrom-like. And he goes, uh, you know, I started DeGrom. And well, you made the right choice. It didn't work out for you. The other pitcher pitched great. DeGrom didn't. You know, well, you made the right choice. You're always starting DeGrom against Miami. There was no 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 yeah. no even thought process there. It didn't work Six out. Six earned runs over five innings to those who didn't see the game. Uh, last shocking. Night. He got smoked last night. And I know it was funny because uh, Craig Mish, who's uh, actually going to be joining us now, right, on uh, FNTSY. Uh, Craig Mish, uh, he, he covers Miami. And uh, he put out that uh, he will only, because I think Miami had been shut out in three, three or four straight games, that he was only going to tweet in Spanish now until uh, <laughs> until Miami scored a run. And I'm like, oh, God, Miami, please score. I'm like, oh, it's DeGrom. We're not going to hear, you know, we're not going to be able to read uh, Craig until Sunday. And then thankfully they they scored early and because uh, he did he, he wasn't kidding by the way he did tweet out in Spanish, and then they scored so he was back in English there and I think he That's put out a, a funny bit. thing afterwards. So if you, that was that That's was uh, I didn't even know he knew Spanish, but <laughs> look at that uh, it worked I, I out. Think you live in but Miami who would have thought? You have to learn it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess you have to know something. Part hey, of, I took three so, years of Spanish in high school. It didn't work out for me very well. Yeah, well, I took French and uh, trust me, I don't use it. So how'd that work uh, out? Nah, you know. I, I could probably read it a little bit still, but uh, I, I think it's safe to say I picked the wrong 
picked the wrong, wrong language to learn living in the New York area. Spanish would be far more useful. So uh, as far as my fantasy teams, uh, my fantasy team is concerned, I made you talking about not panicking. The I am the ult, I'm the ultimate in that as well to the point perhaps I trust the players too much, but I'm off to a really good start. I've made the least transaction moves in our league. We're seven weeks in. I'm making like one a week. I'm just trying to hang on to some of the guys. And I drafted a couple of guys that are now coming off the DL. Uh, Miguel Sano being one. Carlos Martinez came off in the other. My big blow to my team so far, which I, I felt like a genius, and then that quickly went away, is Tyler Glasnow is on the DL for the next six weeks. And that's a hard one. But uh, I've been on fire with some other guys. Jan, Jan Makata, Bellinger has been on fire. Um I've actually gotten some decent hitting out of catchers, which is rare. And, you know, um, Herman Marquez has been really a good pitcher for me, even though he's had a bad week this week. Um, those are the types of guys I've just sort of hung on to. I sent you the ultimate text the other night when I found out we were going to be working together today about Chris Sale. 17 strikeouts, he can't get a win. And I had some choice words about Brandon Workman blowing that game, but uh, <laughs> reality is you can't you can't win them all. Seventeen strikeouts, come on, man, just get me a W. Don't you have to be an optimist there, though? You got seventeen strikeouts, which is fantastic, and Sales turned it around. I mean, hey, two weeks yes. ago we thought Sale might be done, right? He's gonna his, his arm is gonna fall, he's gonna get an amputation, and be done for the year. So, uh, be an optimist yeah, yeah. here. Yes, thirty-one. But strikeouts is, is this what we expected of Boston? But this is what we expected of Boston, though. That this is uh, this wasn't gonna be the starting well, staff. Their bullpen's bad. It is. It's gonna be the issue. They didn't there. sign anybody. Yeah, it's very bad. No, they went with the whole bunch. They lost Kelly. You lost Kimball. You didn't sign anybody. Now, they do have some youngsters that aren't on the team yet in the minors that could help in the second half. But the first half is going to be a problem for Boston. Where they're, going to, they're going to be games like this. You saw it last night. Well, Porcello actually blew that game last night. But you wonder if Porcello blew the game last night because Cora was afraid to cut the open. That's right. right. He's in too long, right. So yeah. It uh, plays both ways. I have Matt Barnes there just hoping like he'll get some shots at, at saves or whatever, I, you know, I, you, I read your closer report every week and I have no faith that Matt Barnes is going to be like the closer role, but I just took a flyer on him late in the draft because I just thought this bullpen would be a mess. And like, who knows, maybe he'll get a shot and pitch well for a month. You just have to, you know, when you're doing fantasy baseball, you, as you know, better than anybody, when it comes to closers, you just have to piece it together. Pick up some saves while you have it or some saves and holds while you have it. And then if the guy moves on and gets demoted and he doesn't have those opportunities anymore, so be it. More than half the teams are going to make changes at closer or setup man at some point during the season. You know, listen, I understand Boston not paying for Kimber what he wanted. That 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 contract was ridiculous. He wanted over $100 million. Yeah, That's crazy. They were never going to give that. But when you don't have somebody else – on your roster who can take over, you can't just punt the position either. You know, I think Boston thought, uh, like a lot of teams, well, you know, we can have any kind of adequate reliever in there. It will be fine. And I, I do kind of believe that, Mike. I do agree with that. Yeah, you don't need a top flight guy. But they didn't even have a secondary guy. Right? Right. They had a whole bunch of, ugh, you know, your Brazier, Barnes, you know, work. We can go on and on here. I mean, they do have some guys in the minors who eventually, but it, was, it wasn't going to be there in April. And for a team like Boston that had Prince money, 
to we are you so worried about the cap that you can't go out and sign somebody? I understand that. I said I, I fully agreed not signing Kimple. He wanted way too much money for a guy who, let's face it, looked like he had problems last year. So I'm I'm completely on board with that. But to just to just punt it to just punt it was weird. Just strange. So uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, I don't as far as the closer report goes, I don't think that the leading, the guy who's going to lead Boston with saves at the end of the season, I don't think that he's on their team right now, not the 25-man roster. You know, I think, once again, they will acquire somebody eventually. You know, I think for them it better be sooner rather than later. And I actually think they need more than one bullpen guy. I think they need a closer and at least one other reliever, if not two, I agree. to truly compete with these other teams. But, yep. uh, it listen, we, we knew this going in with Boston. This is not a shock. No, it isn't. So... Um, full slate of MLB today. I'm trying to think some other. You got John Lester going up against Steven Strasburg uh, tonight in Washington. It's a nice matchup. Got, yeah, it is a good matchup. Washington's got to turn it around, as we said early in the show. They're eight games below five. Talk about a team that has bullpen problems. No, exactly. Um, Bumgarner, Godley. Who else we got? Berrios uh, throwing today for the Twins. So he's at six and two on the season and three point oh five ERA going up against LeBlanc uh, from Seattle. So Seattle's obviously tailed off. The Twins at twenty nine and fifteen. I think technically now, no, they're a half game behind the Astros for best record in the majors. Um, we thought this Central Division was going to be messy, but we didn't expect that the Twins could run away with it you think the twins play at a high level for the rest of the year you like the makeup of this team we've been waiting a few years on them well with the twins are i mean they can hit they can't pitch that's really what they I mean barrios has been solid older has been arguably a Cy young candidate yes. right now that will change older is won't last all year but they'll be able to hit it's a bad division you, know, you got chicago casey and detroit that's, a, that's why they are where they are and that, that's, that's, that's love, the way it's the American You and I love the, the Indians under this year. Yeah, because they, we knew they couldn't hit two. They were all going to be about their starting pitching, which might be the best in the majors, but no Kluber, no Clevenger. It's starting to take effect. And they, they don't have the, the office to make up for that. Agreed. Agreed. I guess the bad division could carry them to some extra wins. Um, but... It's tough. So, yeah, we got some good matchups today. George and, and Cam are going to talk about it on the other side of things. So some quality pitching today that you can keep an eye on. Full slate of MLB, as always. I don't think I missed any high-profile pitchers there. No, I did not. But, you know, that big series, Houston and Boston and New York and Tampa in the American League uh, are off to – good start with good games last night on both sides of it so that's it for me i'll talk to you next week next saturday george is up with cam next and we'll tweet out those interviews that we did on twitter in the next couple of minutes thanks for listening everybody talk to you soon